Well, good morning, everyone. Nice to see you. I'm Richard. I'm the vicar here, and it's uh, lovely, lovely to see you here. Lots of new faces here today. Um, I'm the difficult preacher who walks around a bit to keep Tom on his toes on the video screen, so <laughs> apologies for that. And let's pray as we begin this talk. Father, thank you so much that you love to take us on a journey with you. None of us are at the destination. Some of us are pointing in the wrong direction, probably, on any given week. Some of us off path. But all of us being wooed towards you. And Father, today, would you get us back on that journey with you? And help us to be going in the right direction with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today, a very simple message. Uh, It's that scarcity, when you haven't got enough of something, often in the Bible, in the kingdom of God, comes before abundance. Scarcity comes before abundance. And you get to abundance from scarcity by faith and generosity, a little generosity. And that leads to the glory of God. That's the whole message. Scarcity leads to abundance through faith and generosity and leads to the glory of God. And we're in the parable of the 5,000. But I'm afraid you've got me on the week when I've just come back from New Wine Leaders. So I am buzzing. And uh, if you haven't decided what you're going to do in the summer yet, you need to come camping at Shepton Mallet for a week. Uh, we're, we're there for 22nd to 28th of July. I'm Nicker and I are there for the second week as well. So there's plenty of time to come. If you can't make the first dates, you probably make the second dates. Um, uh, get yourself down to Shepton Mallet. Because um, we have just been so encouraged these last few days by some of the things God's doing. And a New Wine Leaders Conference this year was in a place called Ilford. Has anyone heard of Ilford? Yeah, it's sort of like over there. <laughs> uh, and it's in this church where the, the guy went to start this church, and he was told by a, a leader of his denomination, Pentecostal denomination, son, you're in the wrong place. Nothing good happens in Ilford. <laughs> Don't expect anything good to happen there. So that was 20-odd years ago. And this pastor wasn't your average sort of uh, pastor. He had grown up in Manchester, uh, two up, two down house. At the bottom of the garden was the toilet. Um, his family always from, from the area. Uh, and for various reasons, he had been injecting himself with heroin during his teenage years and was caught up in heroin for the latter half of his teenage years um, to the point where he was injecting himself in the feet because that was the only place he had left for veins. He met Jesus, uh, was radically turned around after a stint in prison, Uh, And he um, eventually married a a posh girl from the Channel Islands. He said that she was posh because she had two toilets, uh, but we know that that doesn't make you posh, does it? (laughs) At least four toilets to be posh uh, (laughs) in West London. Um, uh, Anyway, um, so he married the posh girl from the Channel Islands, and they moved down south. Uh, And and down south, uh, they they moved to Ilford, and they started out with this little mission hall um, church in the the centre of Ilford. Uh, And gradually, God stirred them in faith, and opportunity, and they started to impact the area. They did something called Teen Challenge, which if you remember the story of the cross and the switchblade, uh, something that happened in New York with gang members, they brought that to East London, to Essex, and started seeing people in gangs turned around. They also invented this fantastic ministry, um, which has benefited me. Um, uh, I'll tell you what it is, and then you can work out how it benefited me. Uh, Bodybuilders for Jesus. (laughs) You know? (laughs) You're all thinking, yeah, Richard, you were one of the... I wasn't a founding member, just to dispel you from that. Um, but what it was is one of the guys who became my church warden when he was a student in Wolverhampton, he's now ordained and is, uh, is uh, a pioneer minister running a church, um, he, 
he was a promiscuous young guy, and sort of would drink and sleep with random girls. Uh, and one day he got back and he just put the telly on. And flicked through the channels as you did. I guess he got past the porn because he got to the religious channels. <laughs> and on the religious channel were these bodybuilders for Jesus. Uh, and they did their sort of routine. And then they said, right, everyone watching this, kneel down in front of your tellies and give your life to Jesus. So he knelt down and said, God, I'm sorry for my sins. Uh, please forgive me. Um, I want you to come into my life. Please give me the Holy Spirit. Standard sort of prayer to follow Jesus. Sorry, thank you, please. Um, and nothing much happened, or so he thought. So he went out on the pool the next night, um, got a girl home, and found he couldn't do the deed. <laughs> Drinking didn't taste quite right. He couldn't sleep with any of the girls he was trying to, trying to meet. Uh, so he found a local vicar and said, what's gone wrong? <laughs> Help me out here. Um, and, and the vicar said, I think we need to pray together and pray with him. And he was really filled with the Spirit, and God just captured his heart, captivated him. He came to Wolverhampton a couple of years later, in his mid-20s, um, and we got involved in a mission straight away together. Wonderful story. So I'd already benefited from this church in Ilford without knowing about it, through, through Adam, my friend. And, and the pastor was telling the story of how things had developed there. They gathered people together, and, and as they gathered them, they felt, actually, Ilford's... Um, in some ways, sort of got a down-and-out place. We saw lots of drug dealing going on in the evening when we were there, staying there. And, and he said, we need to put down a marker here that says that God is in the middle of this place. So they did that. They built a building, eight million pound building. I didn't go to the bank at all. Eight million pounds in Ilford. A five-story building. Phenomenal thing. And just as they were finishing the roof, you may have seen this on national news a couple of years ago, the whole thing collapsed, just collapsed down into rubble. Amazingly, given its location, no one was injured, no one was hurt. But he, he got the news, he got phoned up by someone and said, Pastor, you need to come to the church. So I had nothing, I had nothing I could say. I was in a place of total scarcity. No resources, no sense of what was going on. In the back of my head, I felt God saying, it's going to be all right. But there was nothing, there was no feeling. I just felt I was in the desert, in the dark. Everything was gone. I was totally in a place of scarcity, no resources whatsoever. And the, the people that he'd been ministering with were, had to get to church at five o'clock every Sunday morning, not afternoon, every Sunday morning, to set up church in the cinema next door. And they'd been doing that for seven years. They were just ready to move into the new building. Imagine that, the worship team, not a nine o'clock rehearsal, but they're at five o'clock dinner set up. They're just ready to move in, and suddenly it's there. He gets to church, uh, and there are a hundred people from the church standing around the rubble, praying their hearts out that God would resurrect it from the rubble. He gets to church the next day for the, the actual Sunday service, and he says, I've got nothing to say. All I can say is what I've taught you in the light, we're going to have to put into practice in the dark now. What I've taught you in the light, we're going to put into practice in the dark. So afterwards, four big blokes came and stood around him, and he was pretty scared. It's the sort of church where they have um, bouncers on the door, big black bouncers on the door. Uh, and, and they were standing around him, and he's this like Evertonian, um, sort of probably quite chubby white guy. Um, and he's looking up at them, and he's like, this, this is it, this is the end. Eight million quid down the tube. And they... They simply said, Pastor, thank you for trying. And he knew at that moment it was going to be all right again. And just this summer, they've reopened the building. They've had Jay John in there doing some preludes to the Emirates Stadium tour, evangelism thing. We knew why we in there last week. Uh, but more than that, the community, all different faiths, backgrounds, say that's the miracle building that's come back to life, that God's done something in. 
Last Sunday, they did an altar call, which is where you, at the end of the service, you say, come forward and get prayed for if you'd like to put your trust in Jesus. Six people came to faith from all different backgrounds. And again and again, God has been changing people's lives. And in the middle of that place, where there's not a lot of hope, God sort of stamped his foot down and said, look, actually, this is it. said, you couldn't buy the sort of publicity we got <laughs> when the building was reopened. There's a whole other story on there, and I'll put a link to the podcast to let him tell it in his own words when that's, when that's put online. So you can, you can hear the whole story for yourself, and he's written a book on it. Fantastic story. But scarcity often precedes abundance in the kingdom of God. In our story, scarcity has come about because of God. Actually, the, the pastor felt that it wasn't an enemy who knocked the building down. Um, he thought lots of people had been killed if the enemy was having a go. Uh, scarcity comes about because of God. When the kingdom's happening, when God's on the move, suddenly scarcity emerges that wasn't there before. Have a think about it. Um, a few years ago, uh, there were wooden doors um, on this church, all around the place. No one came in much, um, so there wasn't much need. <laughs> a few years ago, the PCC, the church council, I went and talked to people in the community and said, um, what can we do to help you? And they said, we really could do some help for young parents and nannies in terms of giving space for children. Uh, and they said, well, we're already beginning to do that through Leanne Green and others. Let's open up even more. And suddenly, we've got 16,000 people coming into church each year for cafe, for prayer, uh, for children's work, for seniors' work, for youth work, and all that sort of thing. The kingdom's on the move, and so suddenly you have a place of scarcity. When you close the place, nothing much happening. <laughs> you don't need anything. When the kingdom starts to do things, suddenly you need resources, don't you? Jesus produces scarcity sometimes in our lives. Why? Sometimes it's just because he wants to get our attention. Sometimes it's because there are now people to serve when Jesus is on the move. So here we have um, the people there. And uh, the disciples are like, what are we going to do with all these people? Um, um, how can we organize this? Uh, let's, let's get our sort of management theory on. Um, well, we could charge them. We could um, send, uh, let's send, let's send them home. Let's send them all home. And then in units of 10, 12, or 15, they can sort themselves out. Just disperse the crowd now and sort it out. They're operating from a place of natural sensible, managerial nows. <laughs> and it's totally not how Jesus wants them to operate now. He wants to blow their horizons apart. Because the way to get to abundance from scarcity is going to be through faith and a little bit of generosity. And he says, no guys, you're going to feed them. They say, that would take a year's wages or more. How can we possibly feed these people? That's what Jenny was thinking on Friday when too many people took the pie um, and it's just like, I'm running out of pie in the cafe. <laughs> just, just like that, Tony, just like that. <laughs> she wasn't. Um, uh, but there's something, there's scarcity. And he says, right, you're going to feed them. And I say, well, that's a bit of a hard ask. But actually, just in the early bit of the chapter, he's already sent them out to do miracle stuff. And he sent them out from a place of Scarcity in the front row. I'm to the head teacher in the front row. He sent them out in a place of scarcity. He sent them out with nothing. Okay, go with nothing. Go to people and see if you get an abundance back. And that's what happened. In the Beatitudes that he's just taught previously, what, what, who, who gets blessed? The poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are hungry. The people who have scarcity are those who are going to get the abundance. 
And what I think God's been doing with us here in this wonderful place that he's put us in here in West London is he said, look, I'm going to bless you guys with some scarcity. Because you really need some scarcity if you want to get some faith. And faith is what unlocks abundance. And actually, there's an abundant harvest out there and an abundant need out there. And you're beginning to become aware of that now. So, I don't know if I am beginning to be aware of that. Well, let me give you a statistic, or two, or three. One statistic I've said before recently is that on any given Sunday in the whole Diocese of London, there are 2,000 teenagers in church. That is a scarcity. It's nice to see some of our ones around. Lovely to see you. That's a scarcity. That's a problem. It's my mind. You're 10 times more likely to be in church today at 81 then you are at 18. Bit of a problem, eh? In terms of future demographic trends, you don't have to be PhD in sociology to work that one out. You are more likely to survive being on the Titanic than you are to still be in church at 18 if you started out. Now, baptism. Whoa. And suddenly, even in a place like ours, where we are so capable, resourced, managerially brilliant, and there's lots of good things about having all those skill sets, suddenly you clock, we've got a problem here. Because we can't write the checks that raise the dead. We can't write the checks that bring life to people. Only God can do the miraculous. Only God can do these things. And so God's been taking us on a faith journey, and clock it with me if you've been around for a while. A faith journey where we had to sort out uh, the interior of this building. Uh, And with amazing convolutions, the interior of this building got sorted out in the year 2000 to to this lovely state now. Um, Without any idea of what it would be used for in 15 years' time. But ready, pregnant, waiting for future opportunities mission. Actually, by the time the church got back into the building, having done the sort out, it was fill up. <laughs> Incredible. Means we needed another building <laughs> to fit everyone in. Then we had the stonework thing a few years ago. 300 grand to polish a few flints <laughs> outside. Except there were masonry falling off and it was dangerous. And it looked like one of those things where I don't think I've read the job profile right, because one of the reasons I took this job is there wouldn't be any building works to do. <laughs> so I don't think I've read the profile properly at all. And there's one of those things where the, you got to the finance committee, and they're like, right, we're going to get a loan out, and maybe in about seven years' time we'll have paid this off at current projected trends and all this sort of thing. You're sort of like, oh, my goodness me, I'll have wanted to retire by then. <laughs> and, and actually, even though we had a loan in place, we didn't have to touch the loan. Because God provided for everything and to do. That was a hurdle, wasn't it? Got through that hurdle. A few months later, someone wrote a check. Said, Richard, um, love what's going on in the church here. We want to give this to mission, whatever God wants to do next. The check was six digits, 120 grand. What do you do? Well, unknown to that person in the background, having conversations about St. Albans, Acton Green, and whether God wanted to bring that to life. And uh, we went and prayed in there and got the keys from the diocese and 
spent two really cold years in there because <laughs> we couldn't get the boundary sorted and God sort of slowed everything down to a place of real scarcity because we couldn't, might be able to raise the money, but we can't change the boundaries. <laughs> That's outside our control. Can't change the fact that there's Japanese knotweed on the south side so we can't build on it yet. That's out of our control. But in this place of scarcity, beyond what was our easy, I can write a check for that and sort it out thing, God has been raising and growing our faith. And look what happens here in this passage. And uh, the feeding of the 5,000. The 12 go and say, um, what's going on? And a boy sort of overhears the conversation or something or is just prompted by God and says, look, I've got five loaves and a couple of fish. <laughs> a managerial speak goes, right, okay, this is okay. This might get me through the difficult afternoon, the hot sunshine. We'll chop those up. There's 12 of us and Jesus, that's 13. Jesus is good at fasting, so maybe we'll leave him out of it. Um, we'll chop it out and maybe that'll be enough sustenance to get us going. We'll send in everyone else home, but we'll survive. And Jesus says, no, give me your scarcity. Here's a boy with a little bit of faith. I've got lots of faith. Here's some generosity. I'm going to explode this in ways you can't even begin to imagine. This Tuesday, we have a bid going into the Diocese of London. Uh, Hannah's been our youth rep on the PCC. Tells me it's a good bid. (laughs) Um, and it's a bid to the Diocese of London who are going to bid in turn to the church commissioners. There are seven people bidding for three lots of bids. We are rank outsiders for this. Uh, but in the bid, we are bringing together some incredible people. There's a guy over in Richmond from Kick UK. Um, and they are a Christian charity who do sports in schools. They're in 40 schools now in the capital. Um, they go to a school and say, look, um, he, he was a head teacher at, um, who retired at 31. Amazing, eh? I know. Prue, you're still in the game. What are you doing? <laughs> anyway, he, he, he retired at 31. All that now. So he, he goes to schools and says, look, I can help you with your something called SMRC or something like that. Social, moral, and cultural education stuff. Um, uh, and what I'll do is I'll bring in a PE teacher into your school. Um, we'll fund them. It won't just be a job's worth. Um, put them in, they'll do some mentoring and that sort of thing. Um, and it kicks off, and they get into schools, and then gradually they build up in lovely links with the schools. We've also got um, some people from a place called Latimer Minster, a guy called Frog or Ewing, uh, Amy or Ewing's quite famous um, in the Christian world. Uh, and they've got unbelievable skills in youth work. In Peckham, they had 20 youth clubs going on around Peckham, grew a church of 750 people. They're now based just at the outside of the M25 on a farm, and, uh, and they've been the people who've written the ideas behind these minster ideas, and they've said that they'll, they'll mentor and nurture us to try and get this going. Um, and among it, they have 30 uh, youth in their country church, which meets in a tent outside each Sunday. Um, and uh, of those 30 youth, seven of them are running Christian unions in their school. How cool is that? Bringing church into school, um, in the schools. Uh, so we've got those guys. They're the posh ones with all the connections. Um, there's the skills. And then... Um, at Labrook Grove, um, not quite so posh, there's uh, um, an amazing uh, couple of people called Jamie and Teresa who have uh, gone and lived in a really hard community and really invested in there. They're on an Eden project team with the Message Trust, the people behind Soul in the City, if you were around for that mission. And we're, we're bringing them in as well. And the Message 
sort of infrastructure from Manchester and the bands and that sort of thing that they've got. And we're saying, well, what if we said, here's this resource at St. Albans. We're sort of in the middle here. You know, we're not hyper-posh out in Ascot. We're, we've got resources we can tap into. We've brought back this church to life because God told us to. And we're dreaming about all the things that might happen there. But right from the get-go, we said we want children and youth to be at the, the very center of this thing. What if we got stuff going there and also bought a double-decker bus and park it in every school that will have it and do RE lessons in it and do music in there, do after-exam care in there, do all these sort of things? So that's the bib we're putting in on Tuesday. I told this to the 9 o'clock congregation. One of them at the end of it said, right, I'm going to fast on Tuesday. <laughs> what if you could get into every school that there was an opening in and bring the kingdom of God in? What if abundance was a possibility where there is now deep scarcity? What if God's been stirring us for something he's been stirring others for and the connectivity all comes together and suddenly you're like, boom, drop the mic. The king's here. What if God's not finished? (laughs) With the rising generation, what if God's not done with our kids? It's just beginning and stirring things into being. Hey, we're not the whole story. We're not any big part of any story in one way. But if we're obedient and willing to give away our five loaves and two fish, what can God do? What can he multiply with that? So scarcity in the story then leads to abundance. And they pass out (laughs) these prayed over fish and bread you go around the crowd, and Peter comes back going, hey, I've got a basket full. John goes, I've got, ba- I got, I, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got 12 basketfuls of stuff left over. Supernaturally. They've given all of it away and found the provision just kept coming back to them. I could tell you a story of a, a teenager who got a windfall from a business society account. I'm, 1,500 quid. Got it all out in cash, put it through the church door, said, I don't need this now. Just sewed it back into the church he was part of. It wasn't an appeal or anything, just sewed it in. A few years later, he was supposed to go on a mission to a far-flung country in the world. Didn't have any money to pay for it now. He put all the money in. Prayed his heart out for God's provision because he knew he was supposed to go on this. And the provision came in. And not just then, it kept coming and coming and coming and coming throughout his life. Because he'd learned that in the kingdom of God, if you don't hold on to your stuff, it can multiply. If you give away, God can bless it. If you hold on tight, all you've got is five loaves and a couple of fish to chop up. When you give away with a bit of faith, the kingdom comes. Oh, does it come? It comes massively. And it comes in repeated ways, again and again. They were satisfied. They were satisfied. Well, I'm not satisfied with the state of the kingdom of God around here right now. I mean, there's great things at work. Easter, Easter Sunday, evening service. Come along at six o'clock as well. Three families who are getting baptised. 
Oh, massive journeys they've been on. <laughs> coming to faith in Jesus. Got a confirmation service coming up in a couple of weeks' time where a bunch of people are getting confirmed just down the road at St. Paul's Hammersmith. Really exciting to see. But I want to see more people set free by knowing Jesus in their heart. I want to see more people who are in a place of scarcity, who are bound by drugs and alcohol and loneliness and all the things that we all get bound by sometimes. I want to see them set free. Here. W4, W6, W3, TW7, all the surrounding areas. I want to see freedom come. I want to see provision. I want to see people who walk through those doors just for a little prayer. Just radically changed by the Spirit of God. And you know, we do see this week in, week out here. But I want to see more. And I want to see it with the young people. So mad. So here we go. I don't know where you've got scarcity in your life. In some ways, this isn't really about you. It's about the bigger picture. I'm not going to turn it into a self-help sermon for self-improvement. What could you sow into God's incredible advancing kingdom? What's your loaves and fishes? What's your bit of faith that could actualize incredible abundance? from scarcity that God in his kindness leads us into. So we get to the point where we know we can't just write a check and sort it out. But we actually need him to do the sort of miracles only he can do. May God bless his word to us today. Would you, would you like to stand, please? band would like to come forward. We're going to start to worship God. And as we worship God, would you just offer him your heart afresh again today and just say, Lord, if you're able to say this, here I am. Have a bit more of me than you had 10 minutes ago. But actually, friends, that's not really the Christian deal. It's the easier sell from a vicar. The Christian deal isn't give him a little bit more of yourself. The Christian deal is if you give him everything that is you, that's where he can really work. That's where the blessing really kicks in. I know it's a huge ask. It's the biggest ask of all. But as we start to worship him, why not shake free of those things that have held you back that made you a 90% or 19% disciple and say actually whatever it takes I'll follow you hey I'll take a 0.5% increase in our faith 0.5 increase in surrender the best way to get there is to aim for the whole thing so why not aim for the whole thing today as we worship God now